Welcome to Sales Tech Stars Sales Star Podcast. This is where we feature news, tips and insights on B2B sales. Happy to have you here. Kevin Yip, co-founder and president of Bluepod, an employee rewards and recognition platform for the modern workplace, is here to talk about the impact of recognition programs on B2B teams. Kevin, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for participating in today's episode. We're excited to hear from you. Uh, before we dive in, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey through the years? Of course, we'd love to hear more about Bluepod and how the platform has evolved since its inception. Thanks for having me, Prama. My name is Kevin. I'm, you know, born and raised in San Francisco, California, and growing up in the Bay Area, I was very much shaped by a lot of the change in, in particularly technology that was happening around me as a kid. You know, my aunts, uncles, family members were part of this close to the dot com boom and bust, and I think it influenced my thoughts and just honestly my motivation to become an entrepreneur. And so when I moved back here after college. I really had my goal in my career was to, to start a company. So how we ended up creating Blueboard was actually an interesting story, kind of shaped by my first experience at a real job. And so I was fresh out of college, working as a auditing accountant for Price Waterhouse Cooper's very fun and sexy job. And I've been put on a project, and in the beginning of it, have a couple team members quit. I ended up working crazy hours, 100 hour weeks for about two and a half months. And it's seven days a week, 12 to 15 hour days, you're eating breakfast, lunch and dinner at the office. And I just wasn't used to anything like that. And at the end of the project, my manager came up to me and said, Kevin, amazing job. Thank you so much. And she handed me like this Amex gift card. And I think it was for like 150 bucks. I put in over a couple hundred hours of overtime. At less than a dollar an hour, it felt like almost like a slap in the face for all the work I'd put in. And went back to my roommate at the time, my best friend. And like anyone does when they uh, have a frustrated day at work, they uh, complain, right? Mm-hmm. So I was complaining about the experience, complaining about my hours, about my manager. And we started brainstorming and we're like, oh, imagine if instead like your manager had come up to you and said, hey, Kevin, awesome job. Like I know you love boxing. Got you this boxing membership to the gym around the corner for the next three months. Go enjoy that. Or, hey, I know you haven't spent much time with your girlfriend. Why don't you take her out to a nice dinner date? Same cost as that gift card. But imagine how much more personal and thoughtful that would have felt for me as this hardworking employee. And so that was the impetus and kind of the spark of the idea of us quitting our jobs pretty quickly to start this company and you know, haven't went back since. That's a very interesting story, especially given how today's market dynamics are and the importance when it comes to ensuring that you deliver better when it comes to keeping your existing employees happy. So we are going through what a lot of thought leaders, economists are saying is a recessionary period or an upcoming recessionary time. And B2B sales teams, B2B tech teams, uh, I think all over the world have been facing a lot of layoffs. And for the existing team members, this is actually a very crucial time to use these recognition platforms to keep the people who are still part of the organization happy. So 
that they are motivated to perform better because everyone today is expected to do more with fewer resources. So that brings me to my next question. How do you feel? What's your point of view when it comes to the way B2B teams use employee recognition platforms and programs especially? How can they dovetail these efforts to sort of keep the sales teams, their sales executives happier? So, you know, we've often been told, we've often heard, we've often discussed this that What keeps sales on their toes is usually their commissions. But of course, you know, we we are facing a very dynamic market today and just a good commission process or calculation is not really going to cut it. So what do you feel B2B leaders can do here to sort of not just ensure a better program, but ensure that all of the existing members, especially customer facing teams, feel they get what they deserve because they're expected to deliver more in today's marketplace? 100%. Prom, I think you hit the nail on the head is a good commission structure is table stakes. If you don't have one, you could almost assume that your talent will be out the door as soon as they realize kind of that comp structure isn't fair and equitable. The notion of incentives is is not new to sales teams. And one of the things we've learned is because it's not new, sales leaders often aren't thinking outside of the box and how to do things differently. There's this classic adage in sales that, hey, sales reps are coin-operated, right? And there's a strong belief of that. And if they're coin-operated, let's just throw more money at salespeople to get them to do more of what we'd like. Now, with that practice, you know what we see, and often a lot of customers that are coming to us is they're throwing five, ten, twenty thousand dollars at an incentive and seeing little little marginal impact on overall increased energy, increased effort, and increased results from the incentive. And so our whole thing around Blueboard, we very much focus on experiential incentives. So when a sales leader, you know, uses us in kind of very similar to a president's club, but for individuals. So maybe your sales rep wants to go hike Machu Picchu. Or maybe they want to go skydiving for the first time, right? And so we take the marketability and honestly, how experiences are able to catch eyeballs and use that to drive engagement and incentive. And so, you know, what we've seen with our customers is typically when you set up an incentive, and I'll walk through a customer example, is we had a customer roll out a new product. And this was an important strategic product for the organization, but it was also outside of the bread and butter that the sales team traditionally sold. And so they were trying several different things to figure out how to get the sales team to sell this one new product in a suite of many others. And so they weren't seeing any results with sales enablement, with traditional incentives. They used Blueboard, right, an experiential incentive to basically call out, hey, if you're able to hit your quota selling this new product, you will basically be able to go on a trip of your choosing, right? And so reps got to choose, hey, I want to go to Machu Picchu. Hey, I want to go learn to surf in Hawaii. I want to take my family to Disney World. And they were able to work towards that. And what we ended up seeing was much more engagement and $4 million in incremental sales to that new product. And so that was, this is an example of how an experiential incentive, and in this case, Blueboard, can really draw the effort and energy and focus of your sales team to your the specific desired outcome that you're looking for. 
Absolutely. So I'm pretty sure as part of Bluebot's growth journey, there's been some of these programs implemented internally as well. So, you know, like taking this a step further, we'd love to know a little bit more about your own core growth expansion and sales strategies. And of course, this is the Sales Star podcast hosted by Sales Tech Star. So we'll have to dive into the sales tech that helps fuel all of it. But yeah, we'd love to learn more about the Bluebot growth journey. How is that sort of sales process put in place? What are some of the strategies? strategies that you've followed so far that have worked well for the team and especially ones that you're thinking of pursuing as a team as a brand for the rest of 2023 that's a great question and we're actually just we're in the the thick of annual planning our fiscal year ends at the end of this month and so kicking off our next annual year at the start of february there's a few inflection points that i can kind of talk through in in our own journey the first was adding a new customer type to who we sold to. So traditionally, we started the company selling solely to HR teams. And during the pandemic, HR teams were very much focused on how do we get people working remotely? How do we make sure that the technology is there for people to collaborate? HR was not buying from us. And so we started selling to sales teams, replacing the traditional president's club trip, adding experiential incentives to kind of spiff programs for go-to-market teams. And that really resonated with the market and that took off. And so since then, we not only sell the HR, we sell the sales too. So that essentially more than doubled our addressable market. I think one of the challenges in that is that HR and sales think very differently and they think their buying decisions have a completely different process. And so that has been a challenge in figuring out how do we basically enable and train our sales reps to sell to to the HR team, which is generally slower, more consensus driven, and to a sales team, which is more kind of like needs based and, and much quicker to make a decision. And so that's been an interesting challenge that we've been working through over the last year or two. One of the sales strategies that we are going to be, we're implementing now, and is a big focus for us in the new year is Previously, we had our sales team, our sales development team, and our account executives pretty much separate. When a meeting would get scheduled, the SDR teams would throw it over the fence to the AEs, the AEs would handle it. There was very little collaboration. Since then, we've kind of decided we've restructured our sales team into pod models. So it's an SDR, AE pairing, and they're focused by company size to go after a certain account list. And so for us, that's been like a good uh, evolution in, in our go-to-market. And we're already seeing just a lot better messaging, a lot better conversion rates from outreach to meeting that we're going to continue to focus on. We expect to do this by industry as well, in addition to company size. And then we're also going to be doing it for our customer team as well. That sounds like a very interesting process and I hope you and the team find what you're looking for and achieve all the objectives and goals that you've laid out for yourselves this year in 2023. But before we wrap up for today, we'd love to hear some of your thoughts on the future of the B2B tech market. So we have briefly touched upon the mass layoffs and how that's impacting the way forward for a lot of smaller and mid-sized teams as well. But the good part is that leaders are especially being more conscious in terms of how they are creating frameworks, how they are building out their teams, ensuring they aren't overhiring during this time. While we see that trend take off on a different tangent, there's a lot of predictions on the future of B2B tech, and we'd like to hear about some of these from you. Yeah, and so I think long term, I have 
I have no reservations at all about the B2B tech market. Digital transformation, which B2B tech enables and drives, is a long-term trend that will not stop because interest rates are higher and there's some uncertainty in the economic growth of the next 12 months, so to speak. So long-term, I don't see really any softness in the market. Now, in the, within the next six to two, three, four quarters, things are going to be difficult. The party of virtually zero interest rates, incredibly cheap capital is gone. I don't think we'll see something like we have in the last couple of years. It's hard to know, but it could be a decade plus. And so when capital is more expensive, how do you operate, right? And you really need to think about payback periods for go-to-market teams. You need to think about marketing efficiencies. You need to think about your best channels. And I do think that there will be, you know, and we're going through it right now, there's a really, there's a magnifying glass on our spend and making sure that our spend supports key initiatives, supports what we call big rocks that we know and we're betting on is going to move the needle for us on, on what we think is most important in the short term. I think spend is, is under a lot of scrutiny right now. For instance, just in the B2B sales side on our end, we are seeing pretty much a doubling of sales cycles in terms of time, right? We're also seeing a lot of more pushback, particularly from finance and procurement, wanting to restructure payment terms, wanting to ask for discounts, wanting to pilot before going into a larger deal. And so, I mean, all of those I think are probably pretty similar to what many companies are going through. I think also, you know, about a third of our customers are technology companies and we're seeing slower adoption, slower pipeline generation in that industry. We're focused elsewhere. We're focused on the more um, recessionary proof uh, industries, right? Consumer durables, healthcare, pharmaceutical, right? And so those are kind of the, you know, where we're shifting our attention to for the next year or so. Kevin, it'll be interesting to have you back again to rediscuss these predictions. But in the meantime, we wish you and the team at Bluebird all the very best. Thanks, Parama. Thanks for having me.